Dear friends in Christ, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This evening, we will consider the topic of infant baptism. Of course, you heard the words from uh, both the Apostle Peter as he explained to that first congregation assembled on the day of Pentecost who asked a very direct question, what should we do after hearing the gospel? He said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. He then follows up by saying, for this promise has been given to you and to your children and to those who are afar off and to everyone whom the Lord will call. And then we read in the gospel uh, lesson from Mark chapter 10 that our Lord does indeed call children. Let the children come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God. Then why do people deny infant baptism? The question is put to us like this. Why do you baptize infants? Well, I think the burden of proof should be turned around, don't you? The real question is, why do we not baptize infants? Jesus says in his mandate to baptize all nations. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. And how do we do this? baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. So what rule is so apparent that all would not include also babies? There must be a rule. Ah, all, but not babies. What anthropology are we prescribing here? Are babies not people? Wouldn't this rule then also justify the practice of abortion? Well, they're not people, so kill them. Well, of course, we we, we teach that, that they have dignity. We're Christians, after all. And those who deny uh, infant baptism uh, do not, obviously, therefore promote the grisly, horrific practice of abortion. And yet, how much do these uh, folks really understand about dignity when... It is God himself who ascribes dignity and he ascribes them to sinners and to nobody else. God our Father, for the sake of Jesus Christ, ascribes dignity to sinners when he forgives them their sins. And he has given us the precise means by which this forgiveness of sins comes to us. So again, we ask, what rule would exclude the babies from all nations? We, we have in, in Acts 2 the fact that all, the, all those who received his word were baptized. Do babies not receive the word of God? Well, what does it take to receive? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. We have in Acts chapter 10, in the case of Cornelius, the Greek, That when he had, when his household had accepted the gospel, Peter makes the argument, he says, can anybody withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Spirit just as we have? And then he commanded them all to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why would we think that the babies were excluded? Or in Acts chapter 16, when the Philippian jailer was converted to Christianity, 
And then we learn that his, that he and his house were baptized after hearing the good news. So it would seem to me that the hearing of the good news, the being of a sinner in need of it, and the hearing of the good news is what qualifies you as a candidate for baptism. Folks will say then that babies cannot receive. Is it because babies cannot hear? Well, John the Baptist heard the, the, the good news of Jesus' birth when he was in his mother's womb, and he leaped at hearing it, the Bible tells us. So we know that babies can hear. We also know from studies that babies recognize the voice of their parents after they're born. Of course they can hear. I think the real issue here is that we are saying a little bit too much about fully developed human beings and what their capacities are. As if you and I, adults, who have the capacity to think and to reason and to and who are, I don't know, morally accountable, have some kind of a greater value, moral value and responsibility. That we have somehow become candidates for the sacrament of holy baptism. But this is to fundamentally misunderstand what baptism is. We are not taking sin seriously when we deny to sinners the sacrament of baptism. The fact is that babies are sinners, born in sin, born dead spiritually before God. It's not because they're not cute. It's not because they're not entirely innocent and adorable. They are. But before God, they are sinners. As we confess today in our, when we prayed Psalm 51, sinful from the time that our mother conceived us. All have sinned, even babies, and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. And we know to our sorrow that even babies can die. And therefore, we must conclude that they are sinners in need of forgiveness. I cannot give birth to myself, obviously, but I can be born. My mother bore me. And so it is with baptism. The power of baptism is in the word and promise, which St. Paul calls regeneration. That's what it does to us. It regenerates us. It gives us new birth, new life, a power. The power comes from God's word. There's no human capacity to believe that is not given by the promise itself. So we must simply ask what the benefits of baptism are. What does it bring us? What does baptism do? Rather than ask, what am I capable of doing? And the answer is this. It's very simple. What Christ has gained on the cross, all of those benefits, is what he gives to us in baptism. He doesn't give us anything on the cross. Well, he gave to the thief on his right hand eternal salvation, paradise that day. But he doesn't give his benefits from the cross. He gains them there. He gives them to us through baptism and through the Lord's Supper, through the preaching of the gospel. And we are sure of all this because that is how it is expressed in the words and promises of God. God in Christ is the one who has gained and is the same God who gives. And he gives us what? Forgiveness, redemption, 
salvation to everybody who believes these words. Baptism and faith go together. None of these things are received without faith. If I spill simple water on a person, it wouldn't be worth anything if that baptized person did not also believe in the words and promises that they carry. And those who do not believe are condemned and they remain condemned in their sins. So the word of faith, the word that faith demands, is also the word that affects the faith in our hearts. It says believe, and so it gives us this capacity to believe. It's not the water that does it, Martin Luther reminds us. It's the word that does it. And this word is for everybody. And therefore, everybody should be baptized. This is what St. Paul says in the third chapter of his letter to, uh, his letter to Titus. as the washing of regeneration. Baptism, says St. Peter, saves us. And this not by the removal of filth from the flesh, but the aspiration of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus says to, to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever is not born of water and the Spirit cannot enter the kingdom of God. We must be reborn. Can you be born? Why, yes, you can. Because the word of God makes you to be reborn. So then, what use is this water that we use? If it's not the water that does it, why the water? Well, first of all, God commands the water. He says to baptize means simply to wash, to use the water. And that's enough if God commands it. But you know what? The, word, the use of water also illustrates something for us. It illustrates just how simple an exchange is taking place here, if you want to call it an exchange at all. Take a baby, for instance. What can a baby do? Can a baby get wet? Well, yeah. Well, if he can get wet, then he can have faith because faith is simply in baptism to get wet and to hear the word of God. The word and the water together does it. Can he have faith? Well, of course he can have faith. He can be baptized, period. And that is how simple God's grace is. It's scandalizing to the mind that wants to figure it out. But God will have nothing of that. He will have us be purely passive and receive the grace that he gives us, the grace which Christ has gained for us by his merits. But what else can't a baby do? Can a baby wash himself? Can a baby dress himself? Can a baby feed himself? Well, no, no, and no. And neither can we dress ourselves spiritually, feed ourselves spiritually, be born spiritually, but God himself is the one who does these things for us. He's washed us from sin, he's regenerated us, and he's clothed us with the robe of Jesus' righteousness. And he continues to feed us precisely what he gives to us in baptism daily through the forgiveness of sins. And that is why Jesus says to everybody, 
that unless you turn and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We must repeat that there is no human capacity to believe that is not given by the promise itself. And that is precisely why baptism signifies a life of faith. Baptism is like the door of the house. You enter through the door. But imagine that you have been on a long journey. You're starving. You've been traveling for miles. You get to the house and you make it to the door. You've been baptized. The house is yours. You're an heir, a son. This all belongs to you. You don't just stay there in the doorway and say, thank God I'm home. No, you go. You go into the kitchen. You make yourself food. You go and you rest. The house is yours. And so it is with baptism. Baptism isn't just the entrance. It means that all the things that are in the house are yours to enjoy. They're yours. The Lord's Supper is yours. The gospel's yours. The absolution is yours. And they belong to your children. And that's why we bring our children to church. We're giving them their inheritance. I have baptized so many babies in the Dominican Republic more than two dozen in the last five years that I've been there. And what I say to them every time they seek baptism for their kids is, of course, there's nothing would give me greater pleasure than to baptize your baby. But I'll tell you, I also want to be your baby's pastor because it's not just simply throwing water on the baby. It's water and the word. And this word endures throughout this child's life. It endures forever. We must make use of all the benefits of baptism every day of our lives. Every day, the same baptism holds out the certain promise of daily forgiveness and salvation. It's not just a thing that happened a long time ago. It's every day. We fall into sin every single day, and we constantly need the forgiveness of sins which our baptism grants us. And as often as we deny Jesus through our sins, God remains faithful He is the God who cannot deny himself. So when you are weak, when you fail, look away from yourself. Look to the cross and see what Christ has gained there. And then look to the font and see what Christ has given you there. And come and continuously gives you throughout your life. Look at the cross where Christ has borne your sins and put them to death. Then look at the font and see your sins dead, drowning there. See the old man, the old sinner drowning and dying. He's dead, powerless, powerless even to sin. Listen to what St. Paul says in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And then later on, Paul continues in that same place. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Just as a a dead man doesn't see or hear or feel, 
So that is how we are towards our sin. It's a strange thing. Sinning is strange to the new man who now lives. And so daily we put aside that sin, drawing on the strength of our baptism, which empowers us for the sake of Jesus to follow Jesus. God does not put an age requirement on death, and therefore he does not put an age requirement on baptism. All must die. And that's why the apostle says, be baptized, every one of you. And for as many as are able to die, God has committed to us this blessed sacrament of baptism. There we die once and all to sin, never to die in that way again. There, too, we have been raised to a new and eternal life that will never end. Yes, the life we live in Christ, whether we are young or old, this life that we live is the same life that endures forever and ever. Today we live this precious life, which comes with the forgiveness of sins and salvation for Jesus' sake. We live it by faith through much trial and tribulation, but soon our faith will give way to sight and the promise that we, that we have received by faith and live by faith, we will live in a physical resurrection, even as Christ himself is raised in an eternal glory with him. This promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off and everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. What a wonderful life Christ has given us to live in our holy baptism. Let us embrace it, return to it daily, and confess it. In the name of Jesus, amen.